0: you're listening to the top of the mountain podcast with jimmy palato and rev coca presented by the variety sports network and d2football.com your home for armac football content now to your hosts jimmy palato and rev coca Ladies and gentlemen, happy Friday. It is time, that time again. Uh, I know we took a week off. We kind of got to a point where everybody was playing each other, so there wasn't a ton that we had to talk about each week. And outside of a few games, haven't been the most competitive season of our MAAC football yet. So we are back here with the Top of the Mountain podcast, Jimmy Pilato, Rev Coca. We're going to get you set up for the final Saturday of the regular season. Most of the teams will be going home. We have a couple teams that still have a chance to continue on and and get that shot at a Division II national title here coming out of the RMAC, out of uh, Super Region 4. We'll get to that towards the end of the show after we lo- take a look at the RMAC rankings. We're going to have our final uh, games of the week. We're going to take a look at Fort Lewis because I don't think that we touched on, we have touched on Fort Lewis, but we haven't actually broken down one of their games. Unfortunately, they end the season with Colorado Mines, but before we get into all of that, uh, I'm going to bring in my co-host Rev. How has uh, the last couple weeks been? I know NFL wise, it hasn't been the greatest. But have you been jo- enjoying these upsets in college football all throughout the divisions? Yeah,
1: I follow I think it's been exciting just to kind of see how the divisions shake out because you've been wondering. There's been tons of questions. You know what's going to shake up, who's going to rise to the top, and I think kind of now, you know, heading into the last week of the season, of course, you've kind of seen how things shaking out, and you've kind of seen uh, you've seen, of course, the team up top you've seen like a quartile of seven win six win teams and then below that you kind of have like your three win two win teams and then kind of the team at the bottom in which we'll mention later so it's just interesting to see the adjustments you know where a team like the New Mexico Highlands may have looked like they could have been in that upper quartile at first kind of go on a losing scale later on see how the Black Hills and the Dakota minds kind of shake out, seeing if Colorado Minds just—it's been interesting just to see how the years rolled out, and really, you couldn't really predict it, and that's kind of the, just the most interesting thing about it.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and uh, we'll take a look back at a couple the week before, so the week prior that we didn't get to mention, we talked about a couple of the games uh, in detail. So two weeks ago in Week Nine, it was Fort Lewis. They took a loss at Black Hill State in Spearfish, 75-0. to Shadron beat Highlands, 17-30, out there in Shadron. South Dakota Mines got a three-point win over Adams, 23-20 in uh, Rapid City. Colorado Mines had a comeback victory in the fourth quarter, 30-20 to in Gunnison over Western Colorado. CSU Pueblo got a big win over Colorado Mesa, so that was two weeks ago. And then just a quick glance at the scoreboard before we talk a little bit more about maybe some of the more important games. Uh, Colorado Mesa started things off uh one point victory over Shadron in Shadron 38 uh, 37 in overtime. Black Hills State got a big win over Adams State 38 7. They're about to finish with, I think, their second best record since joining the RMAC. So the Yellow Jackets have been a successful year. Uh, Western big win over Fort Lewis. Everybody has a big win over Fort Lewis, unfortunately. So far, 55 to 14 was the final of that one. Colorado Mines. 55, or 54 to 16 over New Mexico Highlands, and then South Dakota Mines uh, losing in Pueblo. That is how Pueblo got themselves back into playoff contention. They're going to be one of the teams that we're talking about later on. And we'll also be talking way more about Colorado Mines, uh, both in their matchup upcoming against Fort Lewis, and then also when we get to those playoff rankings. But those those are the last two weeks, just at a gla- glance. Um, I kind of wanted to start with, I'm sure you were watching just like I was, that Colorado School of Mines Western Colorado game from two weeks ago, that one was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, great performance, I think that Western Colorado had to hold their heads high for about three quarters. So for forty-five minutes of football, that was awesome. And then the last fifteen minutes, it was it was like a new team showed up. It, they put up their fours to go to the fourth quarter, and uh, it, it just wasn't there. I, <clears throat> it's been a while since we've had some sort of collapse that was of that kind of caliber. And uh, it it maybe even is a little bit more disappointing just because the team is so much more successful now. But, Rev, what did you kind of see? Where did Western lose in that game? They built up a huge lead, looked like they were going to be able to close out Colorado School of Mines and also put themselves into the RMAC title picture once again, and yet we're still staring up at a 10-point deficit. Well,
1: the question there really is, was it really – Western who fell asleep at the wheel in their fourth quarter and just kind of gave up the win and choked? Or was it really Colorado Mines falling asleep for the first, like, two and a half, three quarters of the game and finally waking up and then going on that ridiculous surge in the fourth quarter and honestly the truth kind of lays somewhere in the middle. It's one of those games where if you look from afar as a Western fan, you kind of say I'm a proud alum. They only lost by 10 points, but then a totally different experience when you actually get the full narrative of what actually went down in the matchup, how well they were able to control and maintain minds offense for most of the game. Then all of a sudden offensive outbursts and what? three, four touchdowns in the fourth quarter and just an overall just letdown. So, yeah, one of those games where it looks great up in the score as a Mountaineer alum, say, hey, it's good to see them compete, but to see the letdown and just a comeback is just, yeah, it's a heartbreaker.
0: It's also bad, too. I mean, that's one of your oldest rivals. I think that's actually the oldest rivalry in Colorado college football history between Mines and Western. And they're not even... What that kind of shows me with the fact that Mines was able to do that for three quarters and then still come away with a pretty dominant victory, especially uh, when you look at just how many touchdowns they were able to put up in succession. This rivalry isn't quite as close as we would maybe hope that it was. And really, Colorado Mines hasn't been touched since they started playing Armac Armac ball. Everybody has been completely outclassed, and they had the capability of doing this. Everybody should know that. It's almost like everybody falls asleep and, and forgets, oh, yeah, John Matoka former all conference quarterback. He's been there forever. Michael Zeman has literally been there forever. I think he's going to come away with a PhD. I mean, if he does it, I would be disappointed and they're just capable of doing that no matter what, no matter how much you're up by That's why you have to continue to play a perfect game all the way through. And you know, some of that's where it it gets difficult. That's really what separates the championship teams from the teams that get maybe bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And, And I'm not trying to be, Mean or, or anything like that. That's literally what it comes down to. When we get to see the Angelo States, the Grand Valley States, Colorado School of Mines, uh, Valdosta, Ferris were the final last year. They didn't make very many mistakes down the stretch. They played almost four quarters of perfect football more often than not. And that's what got them in that position. And um, the armac is lacking in teams that are able to do that, in my opinion, especially this season.
1: Yeah, I found a doubt. But Mines is one of those teams that has a couple of those guys where. Every game, teams are going to get mentally fatigued. Teams are going to get physically exhausted. It's a football game. You're going to be grinding on each other, hitting each other every play. It's going to be natural that as the game goes on, players are going to get tired. But ultimately, do you have those one or two players? Or do you have that one guy in every single unit of offense, even to special teams? If you can kind of rely on when the going gets tough, when everyone gets tired, when certain people may be starting to get mentally checked out just due to the fact that when you get tired, teams are going to get checked out a little bit but do you have those guys in every unit that you just rely on and minds of course having that quarterback and having that running back and then also just having a solid unit of guys kind of all around where it's hard to find too many glaring weaknesses anywhere where when it going gets tough you rely on a solid unit to just kind of keep it together physically tell enough but also mentally locked in enough to just pull it out. And usually you see that in like the powerhouses, like the Grand Valley States and the Angelo States and Colorado Mines is really knocking on the door and trying to solidify themselves as one of those national powerhouses on the D2 level. And Mm -hmm. the way they've taken care of the RMAC so far, they've shown to be that team.
0: Let's maybe talk about some people might not be familiar uh, with the division two process. If they've been watching major college football for the last especially few years uh when you get down towards the end of this season playoff contention is tough when you get in the division two level you pretty much have to be winning your conference or in the top three of your conference all season and you got to hope that teams that are in your region beat each other up kind of like what we've seen this year uh, but when we get down for those schools that aren't going to quite make the playoffs i know i always thought of finishing with a better record than the year before um, but also if you're able to maybe reestablish yourself, or like we're going to talk about when we get to the Black Hills game uh, as one of our games of the week this week, that is kind of, you know, they play for the ability to say, I was there when we had the the best record that we've ever had in the conference. I was there when we were able to get over the hump of the three wins every single season and all of a sudden show out and, and go get 10. So what what did you, what do you normally think? What do you think drives these players that know they're not necessarily going to see postseason action, but continue to have a few more regular season games?
1: Well, I got to go back to that 2016 season with Western when Austin was senior year, when it was a first time in a very long time we had a winning season. It's something like that, you know, and going back to what you mentioned with Black Hill State is just playing with pride because you're still putting the same amount of hours in practice, you know, and. Daylight savings time is over, so it's only getting darker. So you're practicing until the pitch black. So it's just something about going out there with pride and going out there and playing for the people right next to you or the teammates who have sacrificed just as much academically and athletically as you, and the pride of something of finishing strong. Or if you're a team that normally doesn't have a lot of success, maybe marking that having that winning season that you haven't had in a long time. And it's just Something just when it comes to pride and the bragging rights, knowing that you could go to the you could go to the conference meetings of the conference interviews next year saying, we finished better than you guys, and you could just kind of have something to brag about. You may not finish very strong in the playoffs or even make it in the playoffs, but you could brag to the rest of the division.
0: It also comes in waves. I mean, Colorado Mines has been pretty dominant for the last few years in the RMAC. It was CSU Pueblo. They're the most recent national champions coming out of the conference. (laughs) But then we've also mentioned before that uh, Shadron had a long run of dominance. It's similar with a lot of these conferences. And when you're able to catch your wave or possibly be a catalyst to get to that wave, I think that's what you, you see these division two players play for because in all honesty, it would make so much more sense if we all didn't play at that level and just went to school. We'd be way more successful academically. There would be a lot more hours in the day to get things done. Um, but it is, I mean, you, the people that are playing at this level, the Division I, AA level, Division 3 NAIA, it's really just for the love of the game and the love of the people that you have in the locker room. So I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that because some team, some people who are listening to the show, if you're, you're catching us for the first time on the Variety Sports Network, Division two football might not be seen as as important, but it is something where there's a ton of man hours that go into it. I mean, because of NCAA obligations, we can only say that there's 20 hours a week, 20 hours a week where you're actually doing something football related. But that's like if you're only doing 20 hours, that that's not going to bode well for you. And and I think we've kind of you can kind of tell if you look at the standings, which teams are maybe not putting in the extra hours that it takes to be successful. And it takes to win football games because winning games at the NCAA level, it's not a gimme. It's not always, it's never a guarantee that you're going to get anything. And as we're going to talk about later on, there's a team that currently has gone three seasons without a win. um, And it's just one of the longest losing streaks that I can remember. So that's what these kids are playing for. That's why, We're still invested going into the last week of the regular season for a lot of these teams and going into the off season with a win feels so much better than going into the off season with a loss. I I vividly remember the years that we would finish up the the 2016 season when we dominated the South Dakota Mines, we all had high hopes going into that off season in in the next uh, coming year. And then when we would finish with a loss, it, it was kind of the opposite. So there's a lot that could change. There's a lot that could be, Maybe identified for the upcoming season. So there's a lot of great football that we're going to be uh, shown this weekend. And and I'm looking forward to it. I I know that you are too, Rev. So uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about uh, the games of the week that we're going to have this week. Let's start with uh, Adams and Black Hills, or not Adams and Black Hills State, excuse me, Black Hills and CSU Pueblo. Pueblo going up. I have the text from my brother who's on the Thunderwolves football team. They are on the bus ride up to Spearfish. Uh, I don't know if you remember the trip to South Dakota after Daylight oh, Savings, course. but that's like just one of the longest bus rides of all time.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a double trip. It's a trip to Cheyenne and then a trip to South Dakota, or at least that's how we did it. I don't know how your brother and I don't know how they're doing at the public. I'm assuming they're also stopping at Wyoming, and that's kind of just like the route that most teams take. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely one where – You got to stay locked in. You know, there's going to be fun things. Perhaps, depending on how nice or friendly your coach is feeling, you might have some trips, you know, get a chance to go to Mount Rushmore, you know, have some fun. But at the end of the day, it's a business trip. But it's a very long, grueling 15-hour bus ride. So it's very important to kind of stay locked in and remember what the goal is. And this year with CSU Pueblo, they got playoff implications on the line as long as they Went out and like you said beforehand, with a lot of the teams ranked ahead of them in this region playing each other, there's a very good chance that if CSU-Pueblo stays locked in on this business trip and takes care of business, they're in the playoffs. So it's important to stay locked in and stay focused during, you know, during these hard road trips.
0: There is a lot on the line for the Thunder Wolves, but also for Black Hills. I mean, I've mentioned it a couple times. Currently, they sit at seven and three. Uh, If they win this weekend, it will be their best record that they've had since entering the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference at eight and three. Eight and three is a hell of a record. That's a hell of a season. You have the possibility of playoffs when you consistently go eight and three, nine and two every single season. You get those random 10 and ones, 11 and O's. Uh, But this is like, it's just so much time spent in the dark on the bus. You're, It's a grind. You have to figure out a way to make sure that you're good to go and you're you're ready to play at your highest level because, you know, Black Hills honestly should never lose. Black Hills and South Dakota Mines should probably never lose at home. Just with the distance that everybody else has to travel to get to them, most of the time it's you probably have adverse weather conditions. I mean, the one time that we both went out to spearfish, and, and I know you went it one more time after, but yeah, it was, that was
1: both times I went. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, and it was cold. Like that's the only time that I've seen Coach On show any type of weakness, and he was just <laughs> shivering, like shaking vi- physically on the sidelines because he was so cold. But he would not put on a jacket. So there's a good possibility that's going to happen, and for the CSU Pueblo team. It could be a good or a bad thing. I think most of the time, if you want to, I've watched CSU Pueblo play a couple of their games. I've seen them lose two of their three games that they've lost this season. One to Grand Valley, the other two Colorado Mines. They get too cute. I mean, they they should be, when they were winning national championships, they had Cameron and Bernard McDonald. They would run the ball for 300 yards and then their quarterback would also run for an extra 60 because they like to run a little bit of triple option. They were not a spread it out and throw the ball around type team. They've kind of transitioned to that a little bit more. The Hunter Rackett has he's one of the better arm talents that I've seen at that level. And, and can make almost every single throw. I just think that it, if you force CSU pueblo's hand, maybe take the, the headset out of the coach's shoulder off the coach's head here and, and force you to run the ball in, in adverse weather conditions that actually might favor CSU pueblo I think they would have a, a pretty decent shot. If Black Hills, if they have no weather and, and she wants to get cute and see who can throw it around more. I honestly would give the edge, maybe over to black Hills. I think that black Hills passing attack, the, their offense is set up that way. That's how they like to run things and CSU if really shouldn't be, they try to be that type of team, but they, they're a ground in pound punch you in the mouth and and you're going to feel when they play you. And that's when they're the most successful.
1: Yeah, is there something that you do bring up just, the fact that weather conditions could play on a team in Pueblo, which is kind of reestablishing their identity of being the old ground and pound running team to more of a spread it out passing team. But ultimately I don't know what the weather condition is going to be in Spearfish. However, you just kind of see how things are going recently and how Pueblo's offense has taken an uptick. If the weather conditions are good as is, then that, Black Hills State offense which has kind of stalled out a little bit more focus on running the ball Chance Eben has not necessarily had the finish as good as his start so if the weather conditions are good and Pueblo could really get that passing game air and spread it's really hard to see how this Black Hills team offensively could keep up with the output that Pueblo's been putting now
0: yeah last week Hunter Rackett 17 to 35 316 and four touchdowns not the most uh accurate of passing days but he wasn't making any mistakes and that he was converting in, in, into points and then also as a team 228 yards between one two three four five six running backs that's it's not bad a bad clip either you had one rushing touchdown Jordan Jones gets the one um but they were I mean that was a physical game they had to it had to be a, against South Dakota Mines and they were able to pretty much box in one of the more dynamic offensive attacks. I, I was nervous with Jaden Johansson going into Pueblo, into the Thunderbolt. I thought that he was liable to put up another big day. He's a three-time player of the week in the Armac this season. So w- with what their defense was able to show, maybe Pueblo's getting to the right point at the right time. And we were all a little bit worried and, and nervous about how they looked. It didn't look good. It wasn't great, and those two losses in the RMAC are going to hurt them but I guess it didn't hurt them quite as much as we were all anticipating. Uh, Maybe it's a brand recognition thing. I really don't know at this point, but CC Pueblo is currently very much in the thick of the playoff situation and could possibly even get a higher seed. And as it stands now, if the season would have ended last week, they would have had Colorado Mines in the opening round. If things work out the way that I think they will, they'll probably move up and, and get a different matchup there. So it's interesting, but CC Pueblo very much alive in those playoff chances. I would not sleep on the motivation that this Yellow Jackets team is going to have. Chance even has been there for long enough. He wants to be the quarterback that led this team. to Not the not tie the record for their best record since entering the arm act. He wants to be the guy to beat that record. So the Yellow Jackets are going to come out looking for a fight. I can't wait to see how that one plays out. We're actually going to watch that one here at the house. Uh, my parents decided not to make the 15 hour trip out to South Dakota. And I can't blame them. Oh, yeah, definitely going to
1: be. All right, going to be a treat for you. However, it's interesting to see how those rankings come up as to how they're both seven and three. I'm going to have to assume the fact that Pueblo, one of those losses was to a non-conference game. I believe when they played Grand Valley State, which I think is kind of giving them more favoritism, just having one less loss in the arm But it's yeah, interesting to see how Pueblo's holding that spot then Black Hill being on the outside looking in where even if they win, it doesn't seem like they're going to. You know, it seems like they're going to need a lot to go down to even get any type of consideration. So, yeah, definitely just shows how important it is to really lock down those conference games, how much more important it is to lock down those wins, where even though Black Hills State didn't lose a single non-conference game, just the importance of locking down a conference could go in postseason consideration.
0: I agree. And uh, now, since we haven't talked about them, they haven't been a focus on a game of the week yet. This is going to be our SeatGeek, uh game of the week between the Fort Lewis Skyhawks and the Colorado School of Mines board diggers. I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, if you've been paying attention to RMAC football for the last two seasons, you know that where this one's going to go. I believe last year, the total, and I guess I could, I have the, I have the um, site pulled up, so I'll get the exact number. But I want to say it was around eighty-four that Colorado Mines put on Fort Lewis last year in Durango, and this year they're playing in Golden, so that does not bode well for the Skyhawks. Let's, yeah. Oh no, it wasn't bad, quite as bad as I thought. It's only seventy-six. Last season was a seventy-six to nothing effort at home against then number seven Colorado Mines, and then this year you get a, another nationally ranked Colorado School of Mines team. And I don't think after the way they sleptwalked walked against Western Colorado, I don't think you're going to get a similar performance out of them. They turned around last week and put uh, quite a hurt on um, Black Hills. Or last week, Colorado Mines turned around and put quite a hurt hurting on New Mexico Highlands. So this one seems like we should both kind of have an idea of where it's going to go. But Rev, do you have any, any other thoughts to contribute? I mean, we've kind of talked about why Fort Lewis is where they are, but is there any hope? Can they get a better score output? Is it going to be closer than 76 nothing this time?
1: Um, it could be a lot closer if, you know, let's just see how Colorado Mines plays this because at this point you'd have to assume if they make a conscientious effort to just really take them out of the game in the first quarter, you have to, you have to ask, what's the strategy? Are they going to arrest some guys for the playoffs? Are they going to have all their starters sitting out? five minutes into the second quarter, like how are they going to play? Are they going to show a mercy or are they just going to keep their starters in three quarters and just really up to score as much as they can? So it really comes down to how they play this. It's really hard to see a Fort Lewis team, which has not really been able to stop anything or anybody to save their lives this season. really do anything to put up against a pretty high-powered offense, just on RMax standards. So, what it really comes down to is, I think it's going to be closer to seventy-zero simply because Colorado Mines is going to be looking to bench people and perhaps give their younger guys some good, valuable experience. But yeah, it really comes down to whether or not Mines wants to show Fort Lewis really any mercy.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see. I don't think that they were they're going to sit the entire game, like you would see maybe in the NFL, but there's definitely going to be a pitch count on them unless Fort Lewis has the most miraculous performance. I'm sure that the coaching staff, I'm sure that the players are tired of hearing about the fact that it's been three seasons since the Skyhawks have come away victorious out of a weekend. Um, And last week they, they were able to score 14 points against Western Colorado's defense and, and hold them to no points in the fourth quarter. And at this point, you really just have to be searching for moral victories. There's nothing else really that you can take away from it. And and I will also say Braden Wingle had a decent day passing the ball last weekend, 246 yards and a touchdown against Western Colorado. So they seem like they're trending in the right direction. I just don't know if it's going to quite turn around as quickly as maybe people would hope for it. But if you go just the comparison of the, the individual stats from Each team's game last week, Motoko was 23 of 34 for 369 and five touchdowns against New Mexico Highlands. And then if you look at the rushing totals, uh, the leading rusher for the Skyhawks last week had a grand total of 36 rushing yards on eight carries, while uh, Michael Zeman, 17 carries, 105 yards and a touchdown. So there's definitely, like like I said, there's a difference between the level of Colorado School of Minds. And these other teams in the RMAC, and that's just even more amplified at this point, because there's I really hope at some point we can talk about Skyhawks getting a victory, but they're going to be going into another offseason have having an 0 and 11. Actually, they'll only be 0 and 10 because they didn't take advantage. They had a second bye week instead of scheduling another non-conference game. And and I really just don't know where to go from there. That's we were on some bad teams. We were never in a situation where it was that quite that bad.
1: Oh, yeah, never. You could really only imagine at that point. Really, even though the quarterback, like you said, has, has shown some size of life, it's one of those things where if you just don't have the boards, if you just don't have the guys to line up, if you're getting constantly... Dominate at the line of scrimmage. And when you just see the numbers of just how many rushing yards they give up on a weekly basis and how little they get done on the ground to help out a quarterback who has shown some flashes every once in a while, but just not having the running game to really hold up and support the quarterback to amplify him and to make things any better, it just shows just a sign of them getting dominated at the line of scrimmage. And just, you know, every offensive line coach is going to say, Heading into the game, where you want to run the ball and you want to stop the run. And, well, Fort Lewis can't really do either. And that's the side of a team that just gets dominated at the line of scrimmage. And Colorado mines you can say a lot of things about them, but one thing is they're disciplined on, on the offensive
0: and defensive front. One of the best front sevens that I've seen at the Division II level, and, and however successful this team is going to be in the postseason, it's going to be directly correlated on how the offensive and defensive lines both play down the stretch of the season, but they seem like they're getting themselves in in pretty good order. Uh, Last week, just quickly for Colorado School of Mines, they had one, two, three, four sacks as a defense. And I'm looking through here. They had multiple guys with five plus uh, solo tackles. One kid, Adrian Moreno, 19 solo tackles, one assisted tackle and a tackle for loss. Those are the type of statistical days you like to see At these point, this points of the season, and they really, I mean, they had they showed their bounce back last week. I don't think that there's necessarily anything that anybody can say like they're going to be overlooking Fort Lewis. Even if they overlook Fort Lewis, then they'll win by thirty five instead of fifty. Like I kind of think that we're we're probably looking at here. I think it's going to be a fifty point game. I think that it's going to be ugly, quick, and hopefully, uh, hopefully they just continue to run the ball. Both teams. Nobody should nobody should pass in this game.
1: Yeah, as long as the third stringers don't overlook
0: for Lewis, they should be good. Yeah. Even if the third stringers do do overlook them, they'll just throw back in the backups and put another 28 on them. That's that's where, that's where how bad the situation is. Um, but, yes, we, we do have to get our predictions. So before we get to that, Geek, download the SeatGeek app, use promo code VSN, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase through the app. So if you already have it downloaded, it doesn't quite apply to you, but you should tell your friends, to download the Seat Geek app. It's one of the easiest places to get last-minute tickets for any event that you might want to go to, and it also helps out the Variety Sports Network, our uh, presenting sponsor here on the Top of the Mountain podcast. Taking a look at the uh, RMAC standings going into the last regular season game, similar teams that we've seen. One change, CSU Pueblo now took over basically sole possession of the, the number two spot, Western Colorado falling to six and four. They don't quite have the overall record even though their conference record is identical to CC Pueblo and they have the head-to-head victory the Thunderwolves get the nod there so it's Colorado Mines CC Pueblo Western Colorado and then Black Hills is sit, hanging out down there they're five and three in the conference and and uh, 73 overall so there's your top four I would say Black Hills should be in a contention for playoff implications but just they played an NAIA school and they're out of conference and the with the limited amount of spots that they have in the playoffs that's not necessarily really feasible. Um, Does this, my question here, does this Western Colorado team, do you have to finish seven and four to consider this a successful season? I mean, with all the adversity and the outside noise that they had to deal with so far in the year.
1: From the, from the perspective of me kind of keeping Keeping expectations a little lower. I think it's just good to see Western finish with two consecutive winning seasons and a time where, you know, in a time where a lot of Coach Baines's coaching years has been marked with losing seasons. Just to see the fact that, just to see that Western is starting to install a winning tradition is something that I'm optimistic to just kind of see. Yes, yeah, maybe. You could look at the fact that they're a game behind Black Hills and they're duking it out with South Dakota Mines, two teams in which you projected Western to play better and then say, well, you should be a little higher than that. But ultimately, it's good to see a winning, just to see a winning tradition start to get imprinted kind of in Westerns. In Western's culture, and we didn't have the guys like Will light on Lane Ferris this year. We didn't have an NFL talent like Austin Echo this year. It's just through the tradition and the hard work of the program from the ground up from the coaches to the weight to the strength coach to the players and where you didn't have that outer outer worldly talent, but you can still pull out a winning season. And I think that's it says something about the culture that they're starting to build their gunnison.
0: I can't wait. I hope they get that uh, new stadium, the new Mountaineer bowl fixed before next season. And I'll definitely be trying to make it out to game and Gunnison in person because uh, I think that energy, if they do, I mean, they're going to finish with uh, two back-to-back winning seasons, something that is almost unthinkable if you were here a few years ago. And I think this would almost tie coach Baines for the wins up until that year that they won the, um, conference ch- title, I think this would put him uh, tie him with his initial win total. So he's kind of turning his his coaching tenure around there and, and people are going to be thinking about his time in, in Gunnison different, uh, but that seven and four would look so good. Six and five is fine, but seven and four looks a, a lot different and Then that would also yeah, put you as yeah. it, w- it would put you as seven and two in the conference. So you only have two teams that you weren't necessarily able to get past. So that would be. That would be something. Um, after Black Hills, South Dakota Mines falling to uh, six and four. Then you got New Mexico Highlands, Shadron, Colorado Mesa, Adams State and Fort Lewis to round out the order outside of Colorado or South Dakota Mines. None of the rest of the teams in the RMAC this year finished with r- winning records. Um, so wasn't necessarily the best year for the conference as a whole, and we're still possibly going to get two playoff teams out of it. I I have to feel like uh, our Zach Chavez, assistant commissioner who we've had on this show, he's probably pretty happy with those statistics with the amount of teams that just didn't look like they were ready to play this year.
1: Yeah, to, you just got to be optimistic that half the teams in the conference finished above 500. And some of the other teams there, you have a feisty Colorado Mesa team where, yeah, they're finishing below, but... They're very competitive. They put up points. It just comes down to whether or not the defense can make stops and they can build around Cars Hunter and, and that team in the future. And Highland started off good, but had a little bit of a losing skin where once once the season kind of went down in a stretch, perhaps maybe some of the things we talked about with the lack of culture and the lack of discipline of the team kind of settled in. But ultimately, you look at the overall scope of the RMAC and you just kind of... You like the fact that there is a team of Colorado Mines, which is gonna, without a doubt, be a strong playoff contender. But there are five teams that are gonna finish above 500, and which shows that there's good competitive teams in there. Maybe it's not up there at the Texas League, but without a doubt, it's definitely a competitive league. You're gonna get good, solid game football teams. Uh,
0: we almost forgot to do predictions, so, real quick. But between Black Hills and CSU Pueblo, who are you predicting walks away with the victory and finishes the year eight and three and possibly putting themselves into the playoff picture?
1: Well, if it comes down to having a good precipitation game, then without a doubt, I think CSU Pueblo, with the offense and with the way they could put up points in the hurry, and even if things kind of, even if it is a game under worse conditions, you like the fact that CSU Pueblo and what they did against a high power South Dakota Mines offense, shutting them down until about the second half where South Dakota Mines started to show more signs of life. And the fact that they are able to bottom, up, bottom them up in the first half against a Black Hill State offense in which has kind of struggled during the second half stretch, even if – even if they get out to a slow start offensively, or if they can't get their pass game going because of snow, I trust their defense to pull it off. In which even they have kind of pulled it together in the second half of the year. And as for the as for the Colorado Mines Fort Lewis game, do we need a prediction, or should we just do like an over under?
0: <laughs> I, I almost say we should put we could do a prediction, but whoever gets closer to the score, that'll be who who would end up winning. So let's do prediction, but let's also see. Uh, it, how close we can get to the score. All right. So well, I, I think,
1: yeah, I think honestly, I'm going to say, well, I'm a, I'll say F4 Lewis scores 10 points where maybe a garbage time touchdown and a field goal somewhere, somewhere there. I will say 45 10, Colorado Mines.
0: I think it's going to get ugly. I think that the twos and the threes. Even though they've had a lot of playing time, they're going to be jacked up because they aren't going to see the field in the playoffs. So I say they add in a couple touchdowns after they pull their starters. I want to say, I say they'll score. I'm going to give them 55 to three. They're going to kick a long field goal and it's going to barely go in. And it's going to be a a visual physical representation of how the season has gone in Fort Lewis this year. Um. Let's move on before we wrap things up here and send everybody off on their Friday. We did say we're going to take a look at Super Region Four with the uh, top eight teams making it into playoff contention as it stands currently. The number one team, Angelo State, undefeated on the season. Then you have Colorado School of Mines, Minnesota State, Mankato, Bemidji State, Winona State, Wayne State, all at eight and two. Good news for us. I believe Bidmiji and Minnesota State Mankato will play each other, and Winona might even play Wayne State this this uh, week. Um, and then the only other team ahead of Colorado School or Colorado State University Pueblo at that point is Sioux Falls. They are sitting at seven and three, and they will have a tough game coming up against Augustana, I believe, out there in South Dakota. So Pueblo, I think, has the easiest matchup of the teams that are currently on the bubble. But it also comes down to can they take care of business? They need to win this game. They're in a situation where it's a must-win game. They they get this win, they'll be eight and two in their conference, they'll be eight and three overall. And that's pretty much where um everybody is into inside the top five of this region. So it's pretty, pretty much must-win for them. Colorado School of Mines, they're almost, I mean, they're a lock to be there. They could even host maybe multiple rounds of the playoffs if they stay at the number two seed. Um what do you think of Angelo this year kind of having a bounce back season? They, they were a little bit down last year. And then after beating Colorado School of Mines and, and getting a couple of good wins, they finished up 10 and 0 and could possibly finish an undefeated regular season this weekend.
1: Well, yeah, without a doubt, it's definitely, you know, definitely going to be one of those national teams to watch where perhaps they're going to make a big run. And who knows if Colorado Mines catching the fire they did last year, maybe we'll see an Angelo Colorado Mines rematch in which, yeah, the two losses on the record, it doesn't look great. But ultimately, they held their they held their own, played them tough, played them close. Where yeah, eight and two, ten and zero. But it's gonna be you know it's gonna be an interesting matchup. That's one that I actually want to see. I want to see Angelo and Mines rematch, or even if possible, you know, see Pueblo if they win this week, go up against Mines. Just just definitely some interesting matchups to see. So that is. In there, you see Pueblo and Mines. In there, with some very tough conferences, Angelo State. The conference around is usually very tough and competitive. I don't know how the rest of it's shaking up. Well, of course, in the Midwest, with all the Minnesota teams, with Augustana and Grand and Grand Valley and Bemidji teams that are usually very good in the Midwest, and you kind of got to be good as an RBAC fan to fantasy teams in tough conferences duking it out kind of giving each other losses where if you're Colorado State Pueblo with a win even if it's not a pretty win you know that's going to lock up a playoff opportunity because in that region there's such tough conferences
0: yeah Bemidji was in the playoffs last season lost in the first round but they throw the ball all over the stadium that's one of the things that I noticed watching them, Minnesota state Mankato is the complete opposite. They still run uh, either wishbone or they run a double wing and it's triple option. It, it's almost remember the Titans level of veer. So those are, those are the types of teams that come out of uh, that's the South Dakota's uh, conference. I can't remember what it's uh, called specifically. I, I was paying attention last year because that was the first round matchup for Colorado Mines. Um uh, but yeah, no, there's very good teams just outside of the Armac too, and the playoffs are one of the times where you can actually see some of these other really, really good schools. I mean, watching Ferris State last season in in the uh, final, and seeing Valdosta up close and personal playing Colorado School of Mines, there are some very, very solid, very strong athletes at the all throughout this um, Division II level. It's one of the best times of the year, and I hope everybody's as excited as we are. But we still have this last weekend of our football. And I think we're at a good spot to maybe wrap things up. So before we do that, uh Rev, you got anything in the works for us? I know that we're planning on you coming on the far end of the bench next week for a UFC 281 recap. So you're going to be, you have a lot to do this Saturday. You're going to be watching our football. You're going to be watching the UFC fights. Uh, but what else do you have uh, planned out for, for the people for, as far as content wise?
1: Funny that you bring up the UFC. So yeah, while I, kind of watch some of those RMAC games in the afternoon, so they mostly take up that slot. Later on, I'm going to catch that UFC event, and afterwards, I'm just kind of going to do a recap, just talk about what happened. I'm mainly going to focus on, well, the main card and also the last three fights of the prelims, kind of going to do a recap on that, talk about future fights to go for the winners and the losers of those matchups, and kind of break that down. A lot of my writings lately have been focused more on the UFC, so if you want to either find me on Twitter at revcoca Coca or look up the name Rav Coca on belly up sports. You can find my stuff there.
0: Definitely check that out. Uh, Rev's an awesome MMA mind. We used to have great debates when we were playing at Western Colorado um, and, and he's a really good guest when he comes on the far end of the bench. So be sure to check out that episode when he's on there to recap UFC 281. If you are a fight fan, as far as this show, be sure to follow at Pod. That's where you can keep up with everything going on with this and the Far End of the Bench podcast uh, when the playoffs start. So starting next week, as long as we have an RMAC school in the dance, we will be weekly up until then. And then afterwards, we'll do a full season recap before we let everybody go for their winter and uh, enjoy wrestling season because I know that I'm already at wrestling practice and uh, I'm going to start watching those as they come on TV. So we will be weekly after this. Be sure to follow at FEO pod, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's where you can watch the video of this show as well as the clips from the far end of the bench. And then be sure to follow the variety sports network, our uh, presenting sponsor, our, our network that presents our show at variety underscore sports underscore. And uh, if you follow them on your favorite podcasting platform, all of the new episodes get automatically downloaded to your phone. And uh, they got some great shows on there. I know that uh, Falcons podcast is having a rough go of it the last couple of weeks, but you might have a bounce back. Um, this week so be sure to check out the Variety Sports Network Um, as always we appreciate everyone hanging out talking about the RMAC here for a little bit on your Friday with us enjoy the last weekend of regular season college football if you're a Colorado School of Mines or a CSU Pueblo fan good luck I hope that we have two teams to talk about in the playoffs next week and uh, for myself Jimmy Pilato and my co-host Brett Coco thank you guys for listening to the Top of the Mountain podcast we will see you next time